Welcome to Asbury Pod. This week, we talk to Kay Harris, and for her second appearance on AP Pod but wearing a different hat, Michelle Gladden, the President and Secretary respectively of the Asbury Park Museum. The mission of the Asbury Park Museum is to reintroduce, educate, and advance an understanding and appreciation of the history of the diverse, progressive resort and urban community of Greater Asbury Park, New Jersey, the birthplace of both 3-in-1 Oil and the song Honeysuckle Rose, two of the many, many interesting facts that you can discover at the museum. Welcome, Kay and Michelle. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark, so subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. Route 35 to Convention Hall. Asbury Pod covers it all. Asbury Pod, I love you. I love you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Asbury Pod. We are back for uh, what is our second episode for 2022. We had a delay and talked about it in the last episode. Um, and that delay is really just related to Joe um, plummeting down steps and getting into some injuries. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we no. need to say more on that. And you also got married, Joe, in case people didn't listen to the to the last episode. Yeah, we can celebrate it all month. Um, yeah, we can celebrate it all month. We're going to try to come back with two episodes a month. And if we don't, you can dock our pay. Yeah. Um, and by that, obviously, there's no pay. So you Unless can just... We are still waiting for that call from NPR. Yeah, yes. and, and, and lots and lots of money. Maybe maybe Spotify. Um, well, actually, maybe Apple Podcasts will uh, not Spotify. So anyway, we are here celebrating Black History Month. That's one of the reasons we came back for February. And so honored to have two amazing women on to celebrate uh, the month of February. And that is Michelle Gladden, who's a repeater, who was on for, you were on for the Asbury Sun? Um, I don't remember. That was when the podcast first started. It was years ago. And I have to tell you, Michelle, you are one of our high, you're in the top 10 highest. Um, you have more than five listens. I will say you are in the top 10 highest. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> number of people. As the big mouth of Asbury Park, I'm glad to know that I had more than five listens. I think we just had Michelle on for Michelle. I don't even. Yeah. Did we just have Michelle on? For Michelle? You know, Michelle wears so many hats. It's hard to keep up with her. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so we have That's Michelle Gladden today and Kay Harris. We're obviously going to ask you guys to talk um, to just do little introductions on you. And Kay, if you could talk a, a little bit also about I mean, you have decades of ties 
ties to Asbury Park. I mean, that that um, continues to fascinate me, um, your historical knowledge of someplace that I just moved here 20 years ago. So, OK, yeah, I grew up here in Asbury Park. Absolutely. All right. Intro, ladies, hit it. <laughs> Go ahead, Kay. <laughs> okay, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome yeah. to Amy Quinn's podcast. <laughs> Where we, we put the work on our guests. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, yes, I am the uh, president of the Asbury Park Museum, which I uh, founded in, um, in 2018. Um, and I'm also hold the office of president of the Asbury Park Historical Society. And I want to make that distinction because we're actually sister organizations. We work in collaboration. Um, basically, the mission of the Historical Society is to preserve um, like the history of Asbury Park and artifacts and buildings. Um, the Asbury Park Museum is an opportunity to actually have a physical um, a brick and mortar where we can showcase the wide range and the history of Asbury Park. And by history, we mean not just what people are familiar with in, in current days and times in the boardwalk, but it covers the business district of Cookman Avenue. It, it encompasses the west side of Asbury Park. And we do have such a rich history. And this is just an absolute great opportunity to uh, share this with actually the nation. Because if you think about it, Asbury Park was considered like the hub. It was the go-to place. Uh, keep in mind, when it was founded in 1871, um, people would travel. Of course, the way of the um, travel was, of course, very different, <laughs> horse and buggy than trains. Um, but people weren't flying to different places. So Atlantic City was a destination, Long Branch and Asbury Park. I would say these are the key, key places. And um, so therefore, we have really not just nationwide recognition, but worldwide recognition. And there was a time, you know, growing up, if you live within 30 miles of Asbury Park and you went out of town and they said, oh, where are you from? You would say Asbury Park. <laughs> and, um, and I think Asbury Park is now... Um, returning to a situation well has over the last decade, I would say, of being a destination. And well, you, so you, we're Kay, excited. Okay, you brought up something, you know, for us, uh, it's hard for us to picture how big Asbury Park was in American imagination in the prior, the first half of the century. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's quoted in a Cole Porter tune, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I can never get over the fact that I, was, I remember watching uh, Cary Grant I think it's Cary Grant and Doris Day movie, like the touch of mink, right? And whether they get involved in a scandal and she flees New York to Asbury Park. And there's even a, there's a quick shot of them driving. And I swear it's the same circ sign on the circle that, <laughs> that was, it you know, it be. says Asbury Park. They, you know, they get mm -hmm. to the circle and, it, you know, it's the same green sign for New Jersey highways. And, um, you know, prior to 1960, it was writ large in American culture as like sort of the, you know, a place to be on the East Coast. You know, if you were not in New York City. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there were a number of um, big name folks and entertainers would come to the boardwalk or stay at the fine hotels that we had. Um, and then it's it, it, there have been an, an, a, a large number of movies that have actually taken place in Asbury Park, as you're aware of. Um, and uh, 
and of course, and, and books have been written about Asbury Park. Um, and as you mentioned, like, you know, music as well. And uh, we know that uh, Bruce Springsteen, of course, has had a lot to do with putting Asbury Park on the map in recent years. But even prior to Bruce Springsteen coming on the scene, Asbury Park um, was an entity and a, a place of its own, it had its own character and, and well-recognized. And uh, More recently, so, we were, Asbury Park was featured in, well, I'm going to say 10 years ago, it was on an episode of, or mentioned on an episode of American Horror Story, if anybody watches yes. that, because I watched Did it. you say Horror Story? It's American called Horror American Story. Horror Story. It's a Ryan Murphy yeah. series that's, that's interesting. And then I was watching, I don't know if you and Rita are watching Yellow Jackets, Joe, but we're in the opening credits of Yellow oh, yeah. Jackets, and then a, a young woman is sitting on a bed in a shirt. Uh, wearing a uh, Asbury Park shirt and yellow jackets is ending, you know, is, is a, is a really popular series about a plane crash, but it, it is still making its way into pop culture um, this many years later. Right. Yes. And then, um, and also you remember, oh my gosh, I wish I, some of the other movies, in addition to, oh, what's the one with the, um, the gangsters, <laughs> the TV show, the, <laughs> Oh, the Sopranos? The Sopranos, yeah, the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, the uh, Mickey Rock movie, right, that was uh, filmed in Asbury Park. Um, Yeah, there are a plethora of them, actually. So anyway, back to, you know, the museum itself. Um, While we are uh, working towards establishing a brick-and-mortar location, uh, we've had the opportunity to have pop-up exhibits on display. Right now, we have a relationship with the Berkeley Oceanfront Hotel. We're very excited about that. Um, run by pop culture quiz by everybody. Run by Carolyn Manzo's sons, who was a Real Housewife of New Jersey. Now I feel like I'm going to interrupt everybody. Yeah, Albie and Chris. Yeah. yeah, yes, and they've been fantastic in terms Lovely. of working Lovely with guys. They've been very generous. Um, now, keep in mind in 2018, the winter of 2018-19 between December and March is when we had our first exhibit on the boardwalk itself in the, um, the middle of winter. And but it was very successful even there. You imagine in the winter we had thousands of visitors um, coming in to visit our, our and this was kind of a testing the water, so to speak. And um, so this past year. And then, of course, in between, you had the COVID time. So a number of activities we had planned had to be put on hold. But then I'm going to hold off one minute, Kate, because I just want Michelle Glenn to do an intro before we start going right at before we hit the museum. Michelle, for people who don't know that you are one of our top 10 highest listened to, uh, will you just introduce yourself? Oh, sure. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Michelle Gladden, and in the context of this podcast, I serve as the secretary of the Asbury Park Museum. And one of the things that I love about this board is that we have a skill set that complements the mission of our organization. So we have our the backbone, and I would say driving force of our organization has been Charlie and Pam Horner. Um, They have been just risen up to every task, everything that we try to accomplish in 
in the past few years, they have more than risen up and been there and done the work. Uh, another one. And what is the? Well, just go back to basics. Like, what is the Asbury Park Museum? Just tell us, like, what it what is it and what's its mission? Oh, sure. Kay, do you want to speak to that or do you want me to do that? Uh, you can. Um, it's basically to showcase the history of the diverse Asbury Park. Yeah. So for us, we were created in 2018 with a mission of really reintroducing the history of Asbury Park, all of Asbury Park, because we at the top of this conversation went from literature to film and television and all the popular stratas over the decades that Asbury Park has been a part of. So Kay, being the brilliance and the mind behind this, she formed this organization with the mission to not only reintroduce Asbury Park's his rich history, to a new generation of people, no matter what their age or socioeconomic class, but to help um, educate and, and, and really advance that understanding and appreciation for how from its very beginning, it's been a diverse, progressive community. This is this is in our blood. This is in who we are, the fabric of who we are. And as you look at who Bradley was and what he did as a living and the fact that he came down here and slept on a beach and fell in love with the community, you can't get more progressive and diverse than that in its onset, right? And I know that some other things came with certainly um, the Methodist church and the way things were done. And we are talking about a generation where, you know, people who look like me and talk like me were probably not full yet recognized as a full person or citizen of this mm -hmm. great nation of ours. So with that, we have a very large, I guess, um, playing field in spotlighting Asbury Park's history. There's no amount of stories that we can't tell. And thanks to the group and some of our supporters, we have some amazing artifacts. And that's why at this point, we're trying to figure out what does our brick and mortar space look like? We know we need at least 25 square hundred, but we also know the market in Asbury Park. And we know that certainly while we would love to be say on the waterfront, like we are now, can we have a full museum on on, you know, in certain neighborhoods of Asbury Park? And what does that look like? And how do we make that work for the whole community? Um, or do we have a couple locations? So we are while we're focused on getting a brick and mortar space to preserve all of those great artifacts that, frankly, I mean, Kay, talk about the fact that we have D Holland's piano stored in the downtown mm -hmm. thanks to the kindness of carter but certainly you, you know what i mean so that's the difficult part right is how do we preserve asbury parks rich artifacts and history in the right space and it's important right that's what we're looking forward to actually being able to finalize nail something down on a permanent basis um and well, I just have to bring up, Michelle, also you serve on multiple committees in Esbury Park, including APTV, um, you know, a jack of all trades, including um, the Esbury Park Museum. And Kay, I just want to touch on because I started to Google it, but and you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but born and raised in Asbury Park. Where were you? Where did you grow up? Talk about that experience. A little well, bit. Actually, I grew up on um, Sylvan Avenue. And the street itself doesn't really exist anymore because they've um, done like, you know, developments. They have other housing projects there. But Sylvan Avenue is right off of Springwood Avenue. 
And um, I was there till about eight years old. Then in about 1960, we moved to Bangs Avenue in Comstock, the 1000 block of Bangs Avenue. And um, so I went to Bangs Avenue School and I went through the Asbury Park School System, Asbury Park High School. Um, we had a, um, a very close, a very close community. Um, and I would say growing up, we also had a lot of good role models in Asbury Park. Um, and you had a cross section of, um, you know, business people, doctors, lawyers, um, funeral home directors. Um, <laughs> and, and there were, you know, we had a lot of role models. And then I think what's happened over the years, you have a lot of people, you know, with businesses going out to the suburbs, people moving out into the suburbs. Because um, what I'm getting back to, even the school system itself, used to be very diverse. And uh, that's, of course, a whole nother subject I'm not going to get into. Um, <laughs> but so but I did uh, have very fond me uh, memories of growing up. Yes, Michelle. Sorry, I was going to just jump in because I think it's important to um, note that who your grandfather was, who your father was in this community. If you could just touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I was going to jump in, too, because I did some I love research. How Michelle's and... taking over the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She's like... Screw these idiots. Hey. Is it okay? Is it your grandfather who was the sand artist? Yeah, he used to do sand sculptures yeah. on the beach. Um, going back from like 1916 till about 1944, 45, 44. I'm sorry. Um, 1916. And the reason why I say 1946 is because that's when he passed. Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to be a, an, an artist, he was actually a an activist. I would say. Um, he used to do illustrations for the NAACP Crises Magazine. He and my grandmother were founders of the Neptune Asbury Park chapter of the NAACP. He had a, a good relationship with W.E. Du Bois. In fact, he invited um, Du Bois to come down to speak, which he did. And um, I have copies of a lot of correspondence between the two of them when Du Bois would say, oh, Lorenzo, can I come down and stay this weekend? And they'd say, sure. And um, so and he also ran for city council, by the way, he was not successful, but, you know, he was very, very active. Um, in fact, every time you pick up the newspaper, there's tons of articles and editorials that he would always have something to say. And um, he, along with some other. What year did he try to what, what year did he run for city council? Um, I can't Remember? tell you exactly. Probably around like 1940. I can in that time frame. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And um, also the West Side Community Center, he was amongst the group that um, first established that. They acquired the uh, West Side Community Center from the Dr. Parks family. And um, he was, I think, the president or chair of the West Side Community Center as well. So this just gives you some examples. And then uh, my father... As many of you know, um, followed his footsteps in a, in a sense in that he also ran for office and was successful. Um, my father graduated from Howard University and was a physician here in Asbury Park. Um, and back then, physicians had their offices right there in the house. So he would go from the house to the office. They used to do um, house calls back in the day. Um, the x-ray machine is in the office. They do the x-rays. They develop them. We had a dark room, the whole nine yards. 
Um, but he did run for city office. So he was um, noted for being the first African-American to um, to be on the city council where he served for about 12 years. And then I have a sister, Sharon Harris, who also um, was on the city council. Um, so I have a question that. for you, Kay. Yes. Um, what made you start the Asbury Park Museum? Like, how did that come to fruition? Was it after you wrote your book? Um, was it during the process of doing research for your book? That and talk and talk about your book a little bit. Kay. Oh, yeah. I mean, your your history don't. in Asbury is like, especially yeah. you know, Joe's been here what fifteen years. I've been here right. twenty. Maybe, I feel that maybe the, a little more than twenty, but either way, like. This should be Kay's podcast. I feel this is. <laughs> We're all just going to pepper her with questions. I know. I know. Um, well, let me put it this way. Um, I have to start back to when I first established my store on the boardwalk in 2005. And at the time I was still, I was working, I was a manager at AT&T in Morristown, New Jersey. So I've been with that company for about 17 years and I established the business, when it was just like a seasonal business. So I was still working at the same time. And uh, with the, all the support in the world from my bosses, in fact, we had our AT&T outing here on the beach because at the time we were just struck, the city was struggling and I was trying to help bring in folks to the town. So in 2005, and I will have to give credit to the city council at the time because this was when I think Asbury Partners um, was managing the boardwalk, and the city said that it was very important. It was imperative that they reached out and they wanted to ensure that we had local people and especially African Americans um, involved in the boardwalk. So they had a series of sessions where we had minority business owners came into a meeting, and they did um, as we partners did a presentation to show them the boardwalk and the opportunities. Right after that, I immediately wrote a business plan. And the only reason why I was doing this was really was because I was love taking photographs. That was really the, 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 the genesis of it. And a lot of people were taking pictures because that was the time when Asbury Park was crumbling and it was, you know, the, the palace was still hanging in there. And and I had a friend that I worked with at at and we, we both discovered, oh, we're doing this. Oh, we love taking pictures. And we made ornaments out them with them. Um, and Kathy's Beach House was carrying them on Cookman Avenue. And then we said, oh, well, we can have our own little pop up on the boardwalk and sell our pictures ourselves. Oh, and we can make T-shirts. So I was so excited about it. I just went home and I do have a master's in business administration. So I um, developed and wrote a business plan, submitted it within the week. And they reviewed it and immediately accepted it. And with this, we had these huge spaces on the boardwalk, but it wasn't just about me. What I did is reached out and invited other businesses from Cookman Avenue to join me. So Kathy's Beach House, Cornucopia, because at the time the boardwalk had all of the visibility and the Cookman Avenue was still struggling. So I thought by inviting some of the business owners, we could have a shop. So it was the Asbury Galleria and um, with like 1,500 square feet. And within that, we could each have like four different businesses, you know, with one register. And um, so it was a comp 
So we complement each other. So we'd have uh, beach sundries. Um, it was almost like a museum because the walls were covered with historic photos of Asbury Park. Um, we had a cafe, um, a counter with, with coffee and bagels. So we covered it all. And keep in mind, there wasn't much else on the boardwalk. And what so year was I, that again? This was in 2005. And, and, you, and where was the spot located? Because I feel like early Fifth 2000, I went into Asbury Galleria, but you were in Convention Hall then. It was in the Fifth Avenue Pavilion. Okay. And then um, shortly after that, Hot Sands used to be um, to the south of me at the corner. So right underneath where the <clears throat> stage is, because of, every time it rained, it would still drip in my store. It was a struggle. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Eddie Confetti's was on the boardwalk back then. So that would be where the Iron Whale is located, basically. Although Iron Whale has that big area. So I would have been like the second spot from the corner. But Amy, you you hit on something because you said you visited it, but you thought it was in Convention Hall. How many different locations on the boardwalk have you been in, Kay? Well, two thousand. let me see, the Fifth Avenue Pavilion for about two years. Then I was in the Third Avenue Pavilion for a couple of years. Then I was in the Convention Hall um, down at one end. Then they moved me a couple of years later to Convention Hall where Betty's Ice is. And then they moved me again to the north side. <laughs> um, and then now, uh, as of 2000, what was it, 18, 19, um, I, in this location. I've been on the on the boardwalk again. This time I shared a space with the Splash Park. So but that I think is also one of the cool things for me is that you have that long history being a being on the boardwalk for so many years and seeing the transition and growth of businesses along the boardwalk and right. being part of that. And, right? then, I and think then I that's think what cool. happens is that each time I had to reinvent myself because initially the whole purpose of my business was around the history and the photographs, mm -hmm. because at that time people would come back and with uh, memories of what it used to be. And they would mm -hmm. almost be in tears because Asbury Park was looking so bad. And when they would come into my store, I actually had customers walking out in tears out of excitement of seeing what Asbury Park used to look like. Mm -hmm. And I had envisioned that over time that I would be able to spin off the businesses and grow. But what happened is that I just kept being moved into a smaller and smaller place uh, what they were doing on the boardwalk is actually bringing in large um, restaurants, those type of businesses, because I guess it's about the dollar and cents with the square footage that they give you on the boardwalk. So they brought in um, like Stella Marina at one, to anchor one side and McClune's to anchor the other. And in between you have Maryland's Langosta. So as the large <clears throat> um restaurants were brought in to anchor many of the smaller ones. So I'm not the only one that was moved around. In fact, many businesses were just moved on and out, like, you know, but I was able to kind of hang in there, I'll put it that way, and just yeah, readjust. You and, um, what's the guy that does the clothing store? I can't think of his, um, his wife. Yeah. Rocket? 
Poshen, yes. Style Rocket. Style Rocket. They've been oh, there yeah, a long Mike, time, right? Mike, and he's really great, too. So he's, he's been, been there, there a long time as well. You know who? We had um, Patricia Patton on the show because she's kind of a, my marijuana guru. She was she had a little pop up very early on for health food. food. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, that's how I met her. I met her oh. when she had that pop up, I don't know, 15 years ago. I mean, it had to be around the 2005, 2006, seven time. And yeah. that is how I met. Patricia and and oh, wow. and have remained friends with her unless I pass policy that she doesn't like and then she gets here. <laughs> but with that exception, um, that was how I met Patricia. She had one of the very at the time few places you could get food, let alone if you were vegetarian and wanted to have something you know kind of healthy. She was oh neat, yeah, the only game in town, yeah. And I think and how what long it's was unfortunate. She oh, I'm sorry. How long was I'm she gonna... there? Mm-hmm. Not long, two years, oh, maybe okay. if that. If that, yeah. if that, it and, was tough. Um, you know what? She was before her time. And I was actually going to say this, Kay, about yours. First of all, now everybody, I mean, the entire co-works is all about putting in little, little, little vendors in one spot. So you can do all that shopping at once. So way ahead of your time with that already. We should have patented that idea for you at the time. Yeah. And I then um, of it too. <laughs> yeah. Right. You should be demanding uh, a fee from everybody else who does yeah. it now, 20 years later. And then Patricia was before her time as well, because it was before kind of the health craze, you know, Mm. people, I mean, she was always, you know, she was from um, California and and Washington and she, um, she was, she was, she was also a bit, you know, before her time with, with you're a hundred percent right. As a matter of fact, if Patricia had opened up a business today, I'm sure she would be very successful. And that's the case with even a lot of businesses on Cookman Avenue who were struggling because they just didn't have the foot traffic and um, and the same thing. Yeah. So you're right. She would have been very successful. So often it is about the timing, Mm. but trying to pull all this back together um, because my head jump in there, Joe, because my I had to reinvent my business each time. And then as I eventually moved to my spot at the Splash Park entrance, it doesn't really lend itself well for photographs and that sort of thing. Um, however, it was the beach sundries that have been very, have worked very well, been very profitable. There's been such a demand. And we've, we've despite the pandemic in the last two summers, we've actually had outstanding summers, very successful. But I still, my heart and passion was still about sharing the history of Asbury Park. So that was one of the reasons why I did establish the museum, because I figured, hey, I don't have to worry about someone giving me a spot to to showcase the history and the pictures and also books, by the way. So if I establish a museum, this would be even a better opportunity and way because I also had the Dorn's collection out of Red Bank and Milton Edelman. So I had a couple of sources of historic photos to go way beyond what I was able to capture myself personally. And that is what kind of morphed into the actual idea for the museum. When we, so, uh, when we talk about Asbury Park and you're looking at your museum and, and the oversized uh, image that Asbury has in the culture. Um, it's hard to remember. It's only what 1.5 square miles. Like, yes. Yeah. Small. Mm-hmm. And looking at the history of the, your, I mean, the, if uh, if you're listening, the Asbury Park Museum uh, website is really interesting. You should log on. Uh, and the first thing I, I learned today was three in one oil was in, invented here in Asbury Park. And you know, every family had a can of that in their house, right? I had no idea 
that had a tie to Asbury <laughs> Park. So when we talk about Asbury Park as a, a cultural destination, music, uh, both boardwalk music, the Springwood Avenue uh, corridor, it's also uh, a strong history of sort of owner-operated businesses, right? Absolutely. You know, it is a business center. And there's, you know, the longer you look at Asbury Park, so many things have tied to Asbury Park. I, currently, I'm obsessed with the Studebaker building. Oh, I actually Michelle about that. I just want to find out like, you know, the sign is still there. Right. And it had like an innovative building on the inside of the garage, but so many interesting businesses came through Asbury too. And the, the revitalization, you know, that we mm-hmm. think about now is how many small businesses are really thriving along the Cookman corridor and Absolutely. along the street. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and the Appleby are, building. The Appleby which, building. Yeah. Which yeah. is that, which building is that? That would be on Main Street as well. Um, and, oh, my gosh. Do you know the the building at the corner of, um, is it in Madison or things? What's the, right across from the, the train station? The, um, the business. Hmm? Bangs at on the east. I think that's Bangs side. Avenue. Yeah, well, think- no, no, no. It's one block uh, south of that. One block south of Bangs? Yes. Uh-huh. Summerfield. Anyway, we have pictures. <laughs> oh, I, can I was thinking Sewell in my head and I knew that I was wasn't right. Sewell. Summerfield. No, no, Thank you, the direction. Yeah. yeah. We all anyway, live here. I swear. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. But anyway, what I wanted to um one of our exhibits <laughs> is going to be on the business district. We'd actually started the research for that. And we are we've already captured the history of many of the buildings when they were born and I mean, born, <laughs> built, in, including the post office <laughs> itself. And um, and that will be one of our um, um, showcase businesses. And you're absolutely right. And you had the so smart- now that you brought it up, I am going to cut you off now that you brought it up. Talk about the exhibits that we've had, because we've well, had first, we'll circle back to business. Well, first, I have to bring up one thing, Okay, only because I know and we only have, now have 15 more minutes and 15, oh, 18 okay. minutes left. So I just want to touch on one thing that you said, Kay, and, and Joe and I have experienced and Michelle's experienced it as well is people's memories of Asbury Park and how so potent they are um, and their recollections of Asbury Park. And and I had a judge, I'm not going to say who it was in Monmouth County, who anytime I was in front of him told me about how his father owned a store in Asbury Park in the 50s and 60s. And it was, listen, my client could have my client rarely did the right thing in, in those circumstances. <laughs> and it was never a focus on my client. It was like, oh, Asbury Park, Amy, and let me tell you about my dad. And it was just, oh, okay. you know, I run into people all the time who have these memories that you're describing, I think, so vividly and feel and are coming out of your store crying or exactly just, this, this place gets into your skin in a way that um, I, I, I don't think. I've never come across another place that has gotten into people's skin the way Asbury Park has. And and I mean that in 2022 and in 1920. I mean, people just have such a feeling. And in Bradley, who came here for a visit and then ended up owning the thing. Right. He slept on the beach. Like, come on. It's it's in our there's something here that draws 100 percent. 100%. 100%. You know, okay, and then and, I was going to bring up the business district. So talk about the research you've done a little bit. Maybe, Michelle, maybe you can touch on that. And then the, or Michelle, you touch on the 
the things that you've done so far and Kay, just take us through when you when you say you're researching the business district. I don't even well, describe what that means for us. Right, well, let's go ahead, Michelle. Let Michelle go first. Okay. Oh, so, well, I, I mean, I do want to talk about a couple of the different exhibits and things that we've done. And then because the downtown is looking forward, that's the next thing that's coming. But we can certainly back into it. Um, I Any think, order you want, Michelle. Talk, you can talk about however you want to, whatever, whatever you want to do, Michelle. And Kay. So it's really Kay. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, you know, we, Kate spoke a little bit about the collaborative work that we've been doing with um, Albie and Chris over at the Berkeley and the work and the creativity and what those gentlemen are doing. I just, I'm happy to know them and see them at work and their graciousness, you know, they get it. They get what Asbury Park is about and, they have been just so supportive. Um, we've had Asbury Park 150 years of change and transformation, mm -hmm. and that was our segregated seashore exhibit. And I will tell you that the comments that I received back from those who attended our opening um, really brought it home to me how important this work is. You know, I am somebody who if somebody asks me to do something and I think I can do it or I can learn quickly, I'll do it. So Kay brought me into this world, even though I was a former journalist, going into history and doing this kind of research wasn't something that I was used to doing. I was used to doing that quick research to get what you need for a story and move on or for a project. Um, this stuff has been transforming, I think, for myself and I think for the community. And we were blessed enough because Kay thought of it. And instead of all of us saying, no, we can't do that. You're only giving us a month and a half. No way. Can we pull this off? We did the um, retrospective on the exhibit, A Segregated Seashore. And the beauty about that process was that we came together and worked in a collaborative way. It was Dinah Todd, myself, Lorraine Stone, and Kay. And we worked through, came up with it. Kay did the bulk of the work and drove that program. But the beauty of that was we, in Kay's mind, what we did is we asked members of the community like Mike Sedano and um, Derek Minow Bloom. Um, Pastor Van Zandt. Yeah, Pastor Van Zandt. He was like um, the star. Yeah, I, I love that video, by the way. I can't recommend yeah, isn't it. It was so much fun to do. It was yeah. really hard work. Hey, we got no sleep for like two or three weeks, mm -hmm. but we did it. And it was so much fun. And then to see the final product and Mike Sedano played, um, portrayed, uh, what was the Walter Reed. Walter Reed? Walter Reed, yes, and he did such a great job. He got a standing. It was so cute to see that, and he got kind of almost like a standing ovation for his part in it. And then not only that, in the brilliance of what he's doing with Arts Rule, he has become the storyteller of our community. So he then told our story mm -hmm. with the segregated seashore by editing the video that APTV captured. So it was a really cool thing. It was a really yeah. great community collaborative. In fact, we can let the um, listeners know that if they were to go to our website, apmuseum.org, ap-museum.org, uh, we have our the video of the actual presentation yeah. there at our website. And, and then uh, we you have another have, exhibit, right? One yep. voice is not enough. I think it was, yep. was it just, did I just read about that in the Asbury Park Press today? 
Yes, that was in the yes. press on Friday, and oh, that is our recent line. exhibit on uh, Asbury Park. Uh, one one voice is not enough. Tell so us that, about that, guys. So that covers the musical history of the first hundred years of Asbury Park, which was curated by Charlie and Pam Horner, um, who are very uh, significant partners in this whole um, venue uh, because they are the people who have collected they like decades of information on the history of the Asbury music Park, historian. but primarily West Side music. Um, so even though today we we think about um, bon, you know Bruce Springsteen and and everybody else, <laughs> um, this goes back from uh, spiritual jazz. Uh, doo-wop, R&B. Um, and so that exhibit went on display at the, um, at, the, at the Berkeley Hotel in December, and it will continue through the summer. What we're planning on doing in May is to extend, we're going to add to that exhibit to then cover the next 50 years. In other words, it'll bring us up to the current times. And um, so the exhibit is there seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It consists of a, a two monitors that are in a continuous loop in addition to the banners and posters that we have to actually tell the story. And we're also going to have a fundraiser on Sunday, March 6th at the uh, Berkeley. It's a fundraiser for the um, museum itself and it's Norman Selden. Um, will be performing along with the cast of Friends, an 11-piece band, and a number of other um, additional musicians and performers. So we're excited about that as well. And those tickets are available through Eventbrite. And is that at the Berkeley as well? Yes, yes. that is the Berkeley. And it's on a Sunday afternoon from two, two. two to five. Mm-hmm. And Kay, I have to, you know, being a part of the historical society and this, like, it, it almost seems like a compulsion for you to keep, you know, these decades that that people maybe don't remember in in kind of our minds, right? Yes, absolutely. Going back to the history, the roots of it, and um, it all of it. In fact, even the past does have an influence on our current culture. And so we just don't want to forget the roots of our of our past and the fact that Asbury Park at one point, it used to be West Side. Anything west of Memorial Drive was West Park. That was a separate community. And it only became a part of Asbury Park in 1906. So, um, yes. So the first exhibit, as Mitchell was talking about the um, retrospective, it actually started off with an exhibit itself, which was on display in May through December. And that exhibit, which was Asbury Park, um, a segregated seashore, is now, it has moved to Monmouth University. So it's in the Guggenheim Library and Monmouth University. So people still have an opportunity to see it. And um, it was um, funded by a, a grant from Monmouth University. So eventually, whatever exhibits that we have, even if they're traveling, they will eventually become a part of our permanent exhibit. And then we'll expound on it because once we have our permanent exhibit, we'll have more opportunities for interactive um, exhibits and components as well. So, yes, we have the... um, 
No, I, I was saying this is a, a like a dizzying array of projects. And so where do you see the museum, um, you know, five, 10 years out from now? What are, what are your long-term plans? I know we talked about a hard uh, um, a brick and mortar space, but what else would you like to see brought into the sphere of influence of the museum? Yeah, well, within that sphere, we're talking about at an all-encompassing museum where even though a part of it will definitely be on the music history, uh, we'll have a section that covers the, the business district, the waterfront. And because there's so many components of Asbury Park, you can't say we're just one thing. Um, and then it could be special like a historic events that have happened, the Morrow Castle, um, different kind of disasters. Um, it could be legends of Asbury Park. Uh, one of our board members, Tom Chesick, is an excellent writer. He has a book on uh, leg um, legends of Asbury Park. Um, there are movies that have taken place here. So parts of the museum will be on permanent display, but then we'll, a portion of our museum will always be um, a changing museum where we'll have opportunities to showcase any specific topic that we choose to. So I'm going to throw in one other exhibit that we're currently working on, and that would be Trailblazer Women of Asbury Park. And that one will be on display in May, and that will be on display at the Asbury Park Public Library in the Bradley Room. So we are juggling numerous things. Um, since we don't have one place to do it at all, so we're you know, accomplishing it through different um, pop-ups exhibits such as this. So in the long run, we, I really do envision hopefully in another five years that we do have the kind of space where we can do everything that we really want to. And we want it to be a destination where people do travel around the world just to stand in front of the stone pony and take a picture there. <laughs> um, and then they'll go to Freehold. So by having an all-encompassing museum, and then of course, as we do move forward, we always welcome the input and ideas of the whole, you know, entire community. But I think having a world-class museum could be such a, um, a destination point. So it's not just about coming to Asbury Park during the summer months. We have 12 months out of the year. We want to give people a reason to come and some, and even though they do come, give them some place to go and something to do. And then surrounding that, you have other businesses. The, the, um, there's always a spillover. When you have a destination or focus, when they come there, then they're also going to want to maybe go shopping down the street or go to a restaurant and have something eat to eat. So I think the whole community would benefit, you know, along with that. And I also want to be mindful that there's another um, museum, and that's Asbury Park Amp, As, um, Asbury Park African American um, Project. And they're working on a brick and mortar themselves on Springwood Avenue at the current Turf Club. So their focus is on just West Side music. Um, and of course, when they first came into being, I thought it really was supposed to be like capturing oral history of the music. As a matter of fact, we assisted them when they first got started providing them information. So when I first established our museum, my focus was on trying to have a brick and mortar where people could see things. And then Charlie Horner became a part of our exhibit. So it now it appears that the AMP 
organization is also going to have a brick and mortar. I don't know all the details yet, but we will certainly be collaborating and work because we want to be supportive of each other um, because we're all about, you know, the same, you know, collaborative goals. So I try to ensure that we're always collaborating and supporting each other. So their, their focus may just be on that where ours is the music and especially the history that Charles is able to bring, but also all of the history of Asbury Park. Yeah, APM is actually our first episode of 2022. We just haven't aired it yet, but Jen oh. and Yvonne were, and oh. you guys are, so, you know, we just really wanted to celebrate Black History Month with amazing women who are, um, you know, the, the epitome of, of what we want people to listen to. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so I yeah. will say that we worked, we just did the Daniel Wolf, um, <clears throat> Dr. Walter Greeson th- uh, presentation at the Asbury with APAMP. We worked collaboratively with them behind the scenes to produce that. And we'll do other programming in a, <clears throat> excuse me, collaborative manner with them, um, which is the great part of Asbury Park, even though we're only 1.4 square miles, enough creativity and programs happen here where we can find each other's, you know, how best our niche and then complement one another. And I think that's my favorite part about this community. Even though we're really opinionated folks, we know how to collaborate and work well with others. So, you know. And can I just go back to the business district and, and that exhibit? Sure. That, that's kind of interesting, uh, just as a member of the business committee and always trying to kind of keep my hand on the pulse of business in 2022. Tell me a little bit about the research you're doing for the business district. Um well, that one we had to put on hold because we, when we first did, um, when we did our exhibit at the Berkeley, because it was at the Berkeley on the waterfront, we decided it would be best to start off with an exhibit that focused on the waterfront because we were on the beach. Um, so we did do the research for it. Um, so I don't have a timetable yet as to when that one will be, you know, ready to go on the road. Um, we do have but- we do have a lot of research about what buildings, what businesses used to be in the downtown, what they were when they started. You know, we, for instance, talk about, you know, Woolworth and, and how the history of that. in the oh, yeah. Downtown. And not talk to mention that. it's Steinbeck's. As a matter of fact, Steinbeck's yeah. building used to be on Main Street originally. Hmm. And then there was also Park Hall. There were different uh, buildings, a uh, hotel, because, of course, Main Street was this thoroughfare, people coming from Long Branch going south. Um, but then eventually um, Steinbeck's moved to its the location down on Cookman Avenue. Where we, and that used to be a hotel where the Steinbeck's building used to be hmm. on, um, on Cookman Avenue. Um, and, yes, and when you, when you start yeah. one of these projects, Kay or Michelle, either one, like you... I don't know any, you know, you're, you're enlightening me tremendously. Like how, so, so one, how do you come up with the idea of the trailblazing women or the business district or, you know, where does the idea come from? And then how many hours worth of research are you doing and how are you doing that research? Um, well, at one point we thought we would have an exhibit in the downtown area. So if we were going to start in the downtown area, we said, well, let it be about the downtown. So that's why we selected it. But then when it turned out the exhibit was going to be in the waterfront, then we shifted gears. Um, in terms of the research, it's a number of different people from our board. We will divide up the work. Okay, this is our project and we divide up. And then Michelle will research on something, Charlie, Pam, Susan, 
um, Dinah, in fact, Lorraine Stone and Dinah Todd are a couple of other of our board members. And um, we so we do it collaboratively. And um, and then we do a and lot Eileen of research. Chapman. Don't forget Eileen Chapman is a board member. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Eileen <laughs> Chapman. And um, yeah, and I'm always forgetting somebody, Pam and Charlie. OK, and then I used on newspapers.com has been very, very helpful. And in fact, we have such an advantage these years over the older historians because we can go into the newspapers because sometimes I'll find that you'll look at a book and people provide information, but they did their research maybe 20 years ago. I'm able to go back and look firsthand at newspaper articles. And sometimes you can see discrepancies because we try to go through original sources as much as possible. And um, we want to capture as much of that, you know, so we can share with them. you know, with the current generation. And then we also go to, you know, there's there's just doing research on uh, through books, you know, different books. Like I'm thinking about, you know, the book we used for this current women's exhibit we're working on. With the right? Monmouth yeah. County Archives. Um, yes. Yeah. The the women's um, exhibit came about because Stan Kane, who is the individual who has designed um, our banners and posters for the um, first two exhibits, he had an, a friend who wanted us to do an exhibit on women and dedication to his wife. So this was actually a Christmas present for his wife. So they are um, funding the women's exhibit that um, that will be on display in May. And whereas the segregated seashore exhibit and the one voice is not enough exhibit were both being funded uh, by Monmouth University through a grant that we received there. And both of those were um, diversity type grants that we um, were able to get. That's and amazing. I do want to, Amy, I do want to jump in and answer your question. So while when you talk about hours of research, part of the beauty of uh, the AP Museum is that we have two music historians on our board. We have Lorraine Stone, who was a former journalist and just another just amazing person, mm -hmm. part of the T. Thomas Fortune, just, you know, knows the history of Asbury Park because she's from this community. Tom Chezik, who I think is the um, unauthorized <laughs> historian of Asbury Park. I think his knowledge is just amazing. Um, Eileen Chapman, again, her knowledge. I, one of my favorite parts is when we're doing a project and we're in production mode and meeting and talking like the meeting we had yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we're collaborating to see the history of the people and the expertise of the people around the t the table is what I learned from, you know, uh -huh. because then Eileen is telling a history of this amazing woman that I had never heard of before we started this project. And she has firsthand knowledge. So that's part of the fun of it. Uh -huh. um, I know it's a little bit weird to talk about doing research and history and it's fun and exciting, but it really is. I think just knowing, wow, Asbury Park had this, this Italian woman who became a was not only a business owner, but she would she for people who couldn't get a mortgage in the Italian American community, she would help them pay for a home, you mm -hmm. know, and that to me to know that there was this fierce woman who not only was running a business when women weren't supposed to be doing those things, but she was also rising up other people in the community. That's amazing mm -hmm. to me. Right. And this exhibit is also going to capture like the first uh, female physician that we had in Asbury Park, 
the first female attorney that we had in Asbury Park or trail blazers and other right. uh, disciplines as well. That's amazing, guys. Listen, unfortunately, I feel like we just sat down and it's 54 minutes later. A lot of so, information. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I I feel like we quite literally just sat down. But yeah. so, Michelle, give us your Twitter handles. You guys are accepting and need donations, right? To If, if people want to continue to, you know, be aware of uh, the history of Esbury Park in, in all realms, they, they need to be donating. Um, so give us your handles. And one last time on the March 6th exhibit. Sure. So um, our website is ap-museum.org. And from our website, you can get to um, all of our social media. Um, Your website's actually great. I mean, I was on it today you know, uh, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that you, Michelle? You you, you did that? Like, it kind no, of copied actually, everything. No, Charlie? actually, the bulk of the website goes to Pam and Charlie. Charlie, Pam yeah, no, I got and, to where I, I, got to, I got a bunch of information off that website. And, yeah, and that is the not always the case really. with these podcasts. And we, and Jennifer Stein, too. She does a lot to help us. Um, mm-hmm. Right? All right, we and have- March 6th, what time at the Berkeley? Oh, absolutely. So the March the March 6th event is Norman Selden um, at the Berkeley. It's a 2 p.m. event, but there will be a pre-show. There is a pre-show as a part of that event. It's more uh, like uh, meet meet the author. Yeah, meet the because Norman has written a book. So it's a benefit event for the AP Museum and it's Storm and Norman with the uh, his cavalcade of stars, which is an 11 piece man, plus some guest stars. So we have some really amazing folks that will be there, like Larry Chance, um, you know, uh, Joel Lambert. Huh? Chuck Lambert. Yep. Exactly. Chuck Lambert. There's a whole array that I think it's there's going to be something there for everyone. It'll just be a lot of fun and we'll have a dance floor. Um, And what else? Give a shout out to your book. Okay, that's the book. (laughs) um, My book is um, From Amistad to the White House, Teachable Moments from 1839 to Within My Lifetime. And um, that's another story, but I'm excited about that book. And actually, it was purchased by the um, Asbury Park School District for the kids. Um, and I also did a few yeah, at the library. And I did a few different uh, book signings, including Barnes and Noble and the Shrewsbury Libra- Library as well. And um, awesome. and it's really awesome. kind of a photo journalist. At, um, I went on a a a visit of the landmark civil rights sites of the South. And um, so I talk about those experiences and what I observed and how excited we were to have seen our first African-American president. And like, wow, we were just surprised that this even happened in our lifetime. But then it also talks about the work yet to be done. That's amazing. Ladies, thank you so much. Anything I'm missing, Joe? Uh, no, uh, just remember when you go to the AP Museum website, there is a link that says get involved along the top so you can see how to uh, donate. And Thank you. And I'll get a picture of that Applebee building to you. But west, um, south of Bangs, I know, is is Madison Avenue. But I was thinking of Johnny Mac, like in that area, uh-huh. that corner, even mm-hmm. though there was a building that was taken down, he actually rebuilt it to replicate. And I really appreciate that it was replicated. 
And can you also get me a picture of a sand sculpture? Just so, just because when we post this, I'll post, you know, sometimes we try to reference they're, some stuff that we talked about. I would. They're amazing. Just, yeah. Yeah. If you have one, Kay, I would love for you to sure. send it to me. That, okay. um, and, and this will be up in February, but we're not organized enough to tell you when, but it will be up in February. I'm well, I'm going to do the, um, the Asbury Amp episode. I'm going to edit either tonight or tomorrow and it'll be up and then a week later or a week or two after that, we'll post this as well we like either way it'll be out. in february yeah yes. okay great okay. all right thanks all right. guys appreciate okay. it okay thank you, thank thanks, you. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye-bye all right bye